Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms rethink how their healthcare begins at home through healthy living, access to information, and technology. On each episode, we interview healthcare providers and experts on topics that affect us as mothers as we raise our children. We'll cover topics across the spectrum of health to bring awareness of important issues, conditions, therapies, and technology. We believe your healthcare begins at home with us moms. The healthier we are, the healthier our loved ones are. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast. My name is Patty Post. I'm the founder and CEO of Checkable. And today I have Amanda Peters, who is the founder of Avocado Doula. She herself is the Avocado Doula. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Patty. So happy to be here. You are so welcome. We've met in person and I just have such a great, I had a great connection with you. I love your spirit. I love how comfortable you could be around you. You just are a wonderful caregiver. And when I think of a, a clinician and when I think about someone to be around a new mom and babies or expectant mom, that you just encompass all of that, Amanda. Well, thank you so much. That means so much. And it is one of my very favorite things to do is to work with moms-to-be or moms who are newly entering the parenthood world. So That's awesome. Well, tell us about Avocado Doula. So I'm the Amanda Peters, the founder of Avocado Doula. I am a new-ish entrepreneur in the world, but have really had a passion and a love for serving moms and babies my whole life, actually, which is um, weird to say, because when you're a 12-year-old and you think about birth everyone thinks you're weird but I was like obsessed with TLC a baby story <laughs> oh my gosh I love that show yeah <laughs> I babysat like from the time I was 11 and could get my right, red cross certification and you know you just kind of are going through your thing my background is in education so I have been an educator for the past decade in a variety of different senses inside the classroom and outside the classroom and mm -hmm. The short version is when one of my very best friends, I kind of confessed to her that I wanted to do this work. And she was like, that's awesome. I have no idea what that is. What is a doula? And I was like, me either. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> I love it. And about eight years later, she called me and she was like, OK, I think we should do doula training now. And I was like, oh, OK. She's like, because I'm pregnant. So and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, like, my god! It was the most amazing way to tell me and gift. And I was sobbing because I was excited for her. And I was sobbing because I was excited for me. Yeah. And so that is sort of the mini pathway to kind of where Avocado Doula is today. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So people that don't know what a doula is, or women that don't know, and even I have three kids and my oldest 19, my youngest is 12. I didn't use a doula. But now yeah. looking back, I wish I would have because I had all C-sections and I think that it would have been different if I had someone that was informed next to me rather than me who wants to rush the process and is like, not that we shouldn't trust our healthcare provider, but right. um, to have a good support system. So would you share with us what a doula is, midwife? Absolutely. What's the difference between a doula and a midwife too, if you want to jump into that? Yeah, absolutely. So the main difference between a doula and a midwife, just to start, because I do get that question a lot and a lot of people don't know. 
a midwife is someone who is specifically trained either traditionally or clinically. So there's two different routes. We don't need to get into that, but Mm -hmm. to serve moms and babies in a clinical way. So they are doing everything that a doctor would do Mm. prenatally during the birth and then postnatal as well. Doulas don't have anything to do with the clinical side of things. So Mm -hmm. I never do a cervical check. I'm never going to do a blood pressure check or heart rate, anything like that. But a doula is going to be able to do a lot of information sharing, emotional support, physical support, and then also postpartum support in just like figuring out how to enter into parenthood in the most empowered and confident way when there's a lot of like, I'm home with a tiny creature that I am fully responsible for. <laughs> I haven't showered in four days. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Yes. And we have family and friends who are so wonderful and are excited for us. But if they don't have babies or haven't had small children for a long time, it's hard to know what that need really is without it being spoken sometimes. And a doula can sort of, I think, anticipate that and then work with the family directly. So a doula can provide services both from the birth side and the postpartum side. So some doulas are both. Some doulas are one or the other exclusively. Or I'm trained in my birth doula services. And that's the primary thing I do right now. My goal is to work towards more postpartum support as well, because I think that's so important. So important. And basically, as a doula, I meet with a family. We are going to build a relationship and get to know each other because that's really important. I'm a stranger coming into your life. You're trusting me to be at your birth. I want you to feel trust. Yeah. We're going to share information based on what the family is looking for, their desire, their goal. I never drive what someone's outcomes are. I want to know what you need and what you want. And then I'm going to help to support that along the way. And then for the birth itself, I provide all sorts of different supports, talking about different labor patterns, different changes in positions that you can be in, what your options are in a hospital birth versus a home birth or what your options are. If you want an epidural, there are a variety of things that you can do. If you don't want an epidural and you want to go unmedicated in a hospital, we can talk through all of those things. I'm kind of like, taking a really wide funnel of information and mm-hmm. then I can break it down even further to make it as mm-hmm. streamlined and as targeted to your desires as possible. It is so cool because we don't yeah. know when you're in this stage, you are thinking your brain, almost your thoughts are siloed and you're not even considering things like postpartum when you get back home, what's life going to be like? And your friends, women are so great at having friend networks. Personally, I don't have friend networks. So I relied on like my mom and my sister-in-law and they had kids so long ago and it was so different. Now, I think it is important to say that this is a service. You mentioned it's a service. So you're operating a service model and there, it is a fee for service and it's not covered under insurance. And it is something that you need to plan for financially, Correct. but it is a hundred percent justified. Like I think that if you proper planning makes it where you can afford something. And this is where I think this piece of education is really helpful for expectant moms. Absolutely. I will say some insurance companies are moving toward accepting doula services as are flex spending and health savings accounts. Oh, so there's been new changes in that. Um, And again, it just depends on your provider, on Uh how you have your your health care support set up, etc. 
I mean, speaking for myself, I also will work with families to come up with a payment plan that makes sense for them because life, right? Like proper planning, absolutely. Sometimes having had previous births that maybe were traumatic or really challenging and you know you want one for this next pregnancy, but maybe that was a surprise pregnancy and you're figuring it out as you go. Um, So everyone's a little different for their services and how they offer it. But yes, there are some changes coming that are really great for insurance and some of that extra support, as well as, fun fact, many lactation consultants, IBCLCs, who are certified folks, Mm -hmm. um, also accept insurance and more and more insurances are covering them too. So, Oh, wow. And it's not an all-encompassing, but we're making progress. We're making progress. Oh, it's so important. We're underfunded in women's health and maternity health. It is archaic, the uh, payment models that are in place in comparison to anything in men's health. Oh my gosh. And there are so many things and therapies and services and devices that are covered, fully reimbursed by insurance and not in women's health. So I'm really glad to hear that. And so what I would encourage listeners is, If this is something, if you know that you're pregnant, you should really look at what the options are under your coverage. Absolutely, you should. Yep. And start putting that money in that HSA. If it's not covered, then at least you'll have the money set aside. Mm -hmm. And again, if home birth is something that's kind of on your mind, which is a really specific, about 1% of the U.S. has Uh home births. 99% Uh of other birthers since 2019, that's the uh, census data, give birth in a hospital setting. Uh But if you're of that mindset, that is an option. We actually have midwives in our local area who can work with you prenatally or do home birth services or work with you prenatally up to the point that you want to have a hospital birth. So a lot of people don't know that in Fargo-Moorhead. There are three midwives who do that. Okay. As well as obviously our two larger hospital settings, which also provide really great services. So but yes, do look into it. It's important to know that. And home births is not something that I have ever, I know of one woman who did it in a tub, like she did a water birth, but she yep. did it in her home. They brought the tub in to the garage. Yeah. Will you tell us about that? Yeah. Like the decision, what to consider. So, okay. Regionally, we're in an area that's a bit of a, I'm going to say the word birth desert in the mm-hmm. sense that as far as birthing centers, hospital, home birth, or other options and choices, there's not a ton in where we live compared to like East Coast, West Coast, of course, right? Mm-hmm. But there are options available. I think the natural sort of social default is a hospital birth. And some people mm-hmm. feel more confident. Some people feel more comfortable. Maybe you have a high-risk pregnancy. Lots of reasons to decide that. Home birth options can be for typically low-risk pregnancies, which your provider and your doctor will be able to tell you more about. Some people like a water birth option with a tub. Many midwives will sort of rent it to folks and then you can have that in your home. I've seen it set up right in someone's living room and they have a great system to figure out how to get it full and how to empty it. And then some people just really want the physiological birth experience. Obviously, if you do a home birth, the medication or medical interventions that are going to happen are going to be different. Like you can't have an epidural at home, right? But if physiological birth unmedicated is what you want, like home birth can be a really safe, effective option. Now, having that midwife, that trained midwife and professional there, they're still going to do a lot of those same checks, right? So if you're in the hospital, 
you're probably getting your vitals checked every 30 minutes. The midwife is going to do something very similar. Instead of hooking you up to a machine, she'll have the cuff and the Mm -hmm. uh, hand pump, that kind of stuff. So you're getting very comparable care, but with really one-on-one attention. Doctors and nurses have a job. It's their job to pay attention and be available to what like everybody, right? Whereas a midwife in that specific setting is going to be just there for you, where a doula in either the hospital or home setting is also there just for you. I don't work for a hospital or clinic. I work for my client. And I'm there until probably like an hour to two hours after baby's born. And then I'll check in the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little bit all over the place, but home birth is an option that can be very safe and efficient and effective. And midwives are great and trained to know when to do a transfer to a hospital if things aren't going the way that is in the best interest of mom and baby. Wow. That's super interesting. Right? So if you, if you, when should you begin planning for that? Like in your second trimester? Honestly, I have had folks who knew from the time that they were pregnant that that's what they wanted and then I've had folks pivot in their third trimester to do in-home care really the trick is availability of Mm -hmm. the folks who can provide those services right but yep it's absolutely possible to to do that Mm -hmm. and a birthing center in Minneapolis I remember there were a couple of birthing centers that I'm familiar with I didn't even consider it as an option because I just thought very traditional healthcare model. But what is a birthing center? A birthing center is going to be kind of the like middle road of home birth meets hospital. Okay. So birthing center is typically staffed with midwives and potentially midwifery students and some nurses. They'll be able to issue things like IVs for fluids. They may have tubs that are already kind of part of the center that if you wanted a water birth experience, you wouldn't have to inflate a tub at home. Mm -hmm. It's much more of a homey kind of feel. Um, Usually the beds look like a bed that you would find in a Airbnb or at your house. Mm -hmm. Typically, the setting is just very much more relaxed and Mm -hmm. less clinical in the sense. Mm -hmm. I know hospitals really work to try to make patients and people as comfortable as possible, Mm -hmm. but it's just different. So that birthing center is going to offer sort of that, like, I'm present and I have this this support and I'm probably closer to a hospital if a transfer is needed. But again, there are going to be limitations as to the kind of pain management or comfort measures available. And it's sort of that, like, middle ground of, hey, there's staff here. It's open all the time. Um, I don't need to call and wait for someone to come to me. I'm going to go to the birth center. Yeah, that does make sense. Interesting. There's so many options to consider and it's what works best for you and okay. do your due diligence, right? Like really understand. I like what you said about you will interview with the families to make sure it's a good fit prior to moving into an agreement. Correct. And in fact, I some people think I'm crazy, but I, I do tell folks, I'm like, are you interviewing other doulas? And they kind of look at me like, I don't know, should I? And I was like, yes, you yeah. absolutely should. Yes. And that might seem like bad business for my part, but it's more important to me that folks have a good connection with someone who's going to be in that role rather than me booking a client. If that right. like, it's just critical in order for doula services like to be as beneficial as they can be, that trust piece has to be there. 
For you sure. might also find that someone has more or less experience or skill in a certain thing that you're looking for. There are probably half a dozen doulas in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Oh. And so, yeah. And then also Wapaton and Jamestown. There's folks kind of building their their skill sets all around us. And so being able to just know that you have options and who is going to be the best fit for your desires and your comfort level, that's really important. Yes. Yeah. Just it's the most important and precious, intimate time of your life. And your emotions are going to be really raw. And you need to understand that you can find a a click there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like doctors or or midwives or physicians, like everyone's going to have a little bit of a different style, a little bit of a different philosophy. I often tell folks that when I meet, I'm like, I like to set it up so that we can try to have a little fun during this process, right? And if that's not a goal or sort of an outcome that you're hoping for, for whatever reason, that's okay. You can find yeah. someone who's going to have a different approach. I really like a blend of some holistic and some evidence-based practices. Some folks are really on the spectrum on either side. So again, it really just is individual. And hopefully a doula will help you even narrow that down further so that you know what you want. It's kind of like you go to your prenatal appointment and everyone's like, great, how are you feeling? And you're like, I feel fine. I'm growing a human. I don't know. How am I supposed to feel? Yes. Blood pressure's good. You know, glucose test is good. All these things. Okay. Do you have any questions? And you're like, not this moment. Right. But then you go home and you're like, wait, what? I I have a (laughs) lot of, I don't even know what I'm supposed to ask, but like, I feel like I should be asking that. Yeah. Doulas can also help you brainstorm the questions to ask your provider or say, hey, have you talked about your GBS test? What's that? Well, that's a little invasive uh, yeah. swabby swab to test for, you know, those kinds of things. So That's interesting because when you when you get into a provider's office, so often we're just it is so I don't know if it's invasive or it just, you know, you're in a clinical environment and you're put on the spot and to be even prepared for that next call. Like, OK, you got your 12 weeks, you've got your 20 weeks. Here's 30. And then this is this is sort of your roadmap to having that baby. And here are some things that you're going to experience. And if you can prepare some questions ahead of time, you'll have a much more. The provider will probably appreciate it, too, because they want to be helpful. From the provider standpoint, it's hard to find a good physician right now that has availability. There's a shortage. They are overworked and no matter what area of the country you are, you might come up against something where you want to use a provider that maybe your friend had a great experience with and you can't get into them. So then you are with someone who is suboptimal. But this is where I see a doula could be extremely useful because you can pick that doula, especially if you're in more of a metro area and you have a plethora of options that's where you could lean in and find a doula to support you in the whole process. Absolutely. I very much view doulas as an opportunity to sort of work to close the gap between in care, right? And it's not because physicians don't care. It's because all the things just listed, shortages, overworked, stress, high demand, you might have an influx of folks who are all due 
within a certain time frame. And so the stress and the, you know, we're only human, right? We are only human, even our best, most trained people. So having someone who is your hired (laughs) professional, by professional, I mean, I've done hours and hours and hours of trainings and I continue my education partially because I'm a nerd and I really like learning, but also (laughs) because I want to have the best info I can to provide to folks and then help them make their informed choices. Yeah. So it's just so important. Having a doula present for a birth reduces the risk of unnecessary C-section by 25%. Wow. 25? 25%. Oh my goodness. And people are like, why is that? Why is that? And I'm like, I think there's so many reasons. It's either A, you feel that continual emotional support during your entire labor process. So again, I think nurses, L&D nurses are amazing. Let's just give them a round of applause, right? Like they're incredible. But again, they're also tending to their other folks. There might be a shift change, so they might want to stay with you, but they can't or whatever, right? But having that continual support, I never leave unless I go to the bathroom. I might leave to go grab a snack and then I'm coming right back. Also, having that third person, especially if you're married or partnered, if you have your first partner or husband present or wife present, then I can give them a break. I can help support the partner as well. Yeah. So that when, that's really common is like getting the labor shakes. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have Pitocin going. So you just shake. It looks like you're really cold, but you're like, I'm not cold. Yeah. Many partners have looked at me been like, is this what's happening? And I'm like, this is normal. Yeah. It's the body's response, tension. It's also, you have a hormone dump going through your body. So it's, think about like when you get an adrenaline run and your hands shake, it's not that different than that. It's just head to toe. You Interesting. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. getting that actually. I remember feeling cold too. My mom sat with me for a while and she was sitting there knitting and then she was asking me really annoying questions that I actually had to have her leave. I'm like, you need to leave for a while. You're really on my nerves. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she came back yeah. there and she's, she's yeah. totally, um, you know, as moms, you're like, you can say what you'd be very honest with them. But let's now switch to that postpartum side. Let's flip the script and talk about our breastfeeding time. Yes. And something that I do not think you can be as prepared as you want to for breastfeeding. But then when they put that baby next to you and you're like, okay, it's time to nurse. It is not like as easy as they make it on the movies at all. It's like, it was so hard. Like the first, I had four days, five days maybe in the hospital. It was pretty long because of a C-section. You do stay four or five days. And it was, it was awful. Amanda, how do you, like, can we talk about this? How do you prepare your moms? (laughs) So, oh my gosh, Patty, you're spot on. This is the moment where I like to tell people, like, think about when you learned how to ride a bicycle. And you're learning to ride your bike and it's kind of exciting. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be able to ride my bike. And you probably have a person who's there, like either holding on or cheering or like helping you kind of even out. Right. Yes. And it made the experience easier, more positively associated in your memory. All of that. Could you learn to ride the bike alone? Sure. Is it going to be more painful? Absolutely. Breastfeeding is not that different. (laughs) Such a good analogy. Some people are going to like get on the bike and be like, 
oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, oh no, okay, we're fine. And you're just going to go. And then others, you're like, I need the training wheels. <laughs> I need the elbow pads. Like, where's my cookie? I need a cookie, you know? Like, yes. it's just, it's, and it's not your fault. It just yeah. is. Yeah. So, so we talk about it a little bit like that, right? Sure. And I also get a sense of like, where are people at with their desire to breastfeed? Mm-hmm. Because oh. some women are so excited. It is like their number one goal. That's, that's cool. all they want. And then others are like, is it bad that I really don't want to? And I'm kind of weirded I, out by it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's not bad. So gauging that. And then if people are interested in breastfeeding, it's like, okay, what's your plan? And they're like, what do you mean? How do you want to navigate it when things aren't going the way that you want? Mm. Oh. And automatically identifying, like, where's your natural support piece? Because there are lactation consultants in the hospital. Just depends on how much time you're going to get with them based on how many other folks are there. Some babies are born with a tongue tie and not all lactation consultants or nurses are trained to recognize it right away. So you might get this message of, well, just keep trying, just keep trying, just keep trying. And then your nipples are cracked and bleeding or baby's really hungry or their birth weight has dropped more than you want. And you're starting to panic and think, it's me. I'm doing something wrong. But you might not know. So setting moms up for success is about potentially hiring a postpartum doula who may or may not have experience in that, but may be able to at least say, I would encourage you to go to this place, visit this chiropractor, visit this PT place, visit this nurse outside of your you know, hospital sure. circle and get a second opinion. Talk to somebody else. We have a lactation service in town, Northern Prairie Lactation Services. Mm-hmm. She's an IBCLC. She goes to your home. Wow. That's not usual. Yeah. yeah. And she has steps insurance. Holy um, cow. Fact. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. She would talk about, you know, she does prenatal appointments to get her sure. medical history and then to have sort of the availability whenever you need her. But anyway, so it's it's about just knowing your resources knowing that you can go elsewhere and that it's okay to bring your baby somewhere, but to know where to go, um, I think is really important. And so I either get information from other parents, other moms, or I go out and I'll meet with different businesses and be like, tell me about how you support moms. Tell me about how you work with babies or nursing support. things." So it's building your resources. It's knowing that like, it's okay that it's a struggle, but there's a limit and that you are not alone. And reminding people to kind of come up for air and ask for help and just be like, I still want to do this. How do I do it? Yes. Yeah. So you're like, I just came into my mind that you're like a healthcare quarterback. That's I think of that as like a family practice provider for a family that can bring you to different specialties. But for birthing, you are a quarterback that can give all of these different resources because sometimes when you're up against it, you're like, I just need help here. And the hospital lactation consultant, they'll give you, some can give you quite a bit of time in the hospital, but it's when you come home and you feel like I'm so alone and your spouse went to work and you might even have, yeah, you just might not have support there. And middle of the night, like you said, it can be painful. How about a time when, you've seen the most success with your moms at, in postpartum. What does that look like? Like, what is that mom doing proactively? Proactively, mom is setting boundaries. Oh, 
Tell me more. Proactively mom is knowing herself well enough to know how much time she wants with or without company right away. And some of that you can't really predict, right? You just might not know. But giving yourself permission to say, we're not seeing visitors for the first five days. Yes. You can do that. You can do that. You know, give yourself time to just like, and space to figure out how you're physically feeling, emotionally feeling, and getting adjusted. That's okay. Okay. Right. It's also not just setting boundaries. It's also setting up those support systems early, whether it's hiring a postpartum doula, whether it's family or friends that you can kind of put on a schedule, like truly to bring meals, to um, do some grocery shopping for you. Just some of those everyday things, especially those first two to three weeks, you're pumping or breastfeeding every two to three hours. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. It's and sleep deprived. <laughs> yes, producing milk and breastfeeding is the equivalency of a full time job it's in a year. It's, it's a fair. lot. Moms also need two to three hundred more calories a day because that's what's being burned just by producing breast milk. So a yeah, lot of right. folks will talk about like, oh yeah, I lost all the baby weight, or I've, I've never been thinner when I was breastfeeding, and it's because you're producing or you're burning that much more energy. Which is great. But also, if your nutrition isn't finding the balance there, then that can lead to some challenges for yourself and how you're feeling. So, again, thinking about like food, meals, just like basic everyday stuff, potentially hiring someone to come and clean your bathroom or um, asking, you know, your mom or your friend to be like, I know that this seems really mundane, but can you sweep for me? Like that would be so helpful. When I think about my friends who had babies when I showed up and I was like I'm gonna be helpful I'm gonna do whatever and then I'm like what do you want and they're like I don't know and I'm like me either (laughs) yeah some of that is really about thinking ahead and then also being honest with yourself of like what do you want how do you envision that postpartum time going with the flow is great but also having a plan is good too so it's a little bit of a blend of like willpower and mindset. Uh, willpower is the sprint. It's going to get you through those tough moments and sort of get you to grit in. But the mindset is the strategy. It's how you're going to set yourself up for success in those miles or those moments when you're like, the chips are down and I'm I'm fried. Yes. Now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm done. I'm tapping vague. out. Yeah, it's vague. But, you know, that's that's the truth of it. Oh, I don't think it's vague at all. I thought that was very specific, actually. Oh, good. Yeah, good, I'm glad. And a nice way to segue if you have someone in your life that is expectant, that boundaries, like don't be offended when that mom or that family puts boundaries in place because it's for the best. It's for it's what they need. And it's actually boundaries are healthy. They are especially in this transformative time of life. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And certainly, you know, there's a balance between isolation and being completely alone. But like, you're not, you know, turn off the hostess mode. You are not hosting. Yeah. People coming into your home are contributing to this moment and and helping you be successful. You aren't mm-hmm. hosting them. They should be bringing you coffee, not the other way around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think that I did tell you this when we had our event, our Moms and Mocktails event. But when I had my first there, like everyone paraded through the hospital the first two days. They just wanted to meet Will. And it left me super exhausted. And 
I didn't realize it until even months later. I was just thinking back to what I was going through and there was no quiet time and even except it was in the middle of the night and, you know, I wake up my husband and he's out of it, like staying with me, but he wasn't getting a great sleep on their little futon. And with my second, I said, I don't want anyone until the day before I leave, if not even when I get home. Mm -hmm. And that was heard loud and clear that I just needed time to recover and time with Mm -hmm. baby. Absolutely. And that was the healthy thing. So I I wish I would have known that beforehand, but, you know, learn through experience. Exactly. And I really, like a refrain I say constantly is we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But doulas can help. Your provider can potentially help. Right? Yeah. But it's, it's more than the clinical stuff. It's emotional. It's mental. It's physical. The sure. different aches and pains that come with pregnancy are sure normal, but like some of it you don't have to live with. You can sure. seek treatment. You can seek ways to find some comfort in those moments rather than suffering. You know, discomfort and pain should be temporary. Suffering, yes. don't want to get there. Right. Oh, yeah. Who You don't live with suffering. Mm-mm. No. Now, the last thing of a lot of nutraceuticals out there, a lot of things to support moms. I'm wondering what you recommend for moms. And I'm thinking specifically with breastfeeding, but even just nutrition or products. Like, do you have a checklist that you're like, OK, these are my go to's. And if you get them, great. If not, you're still going to be OK. But Could you go through some of your favorites with us? So some of my favorite things to recommend are oats. Oh, oatmeal, oat cookies. Oats are really good for the production of milk. Um, They're also a great curb. So they're going to be things that you can do. Some places and packages will like, you know, talk about like lactation cookies. Mm -hmm. Hit or miss as far as like how effective they can be. Mm -hmm. But incorporating certain like macronutrients into your diet can be really, really helpful. The most important thing is hydration. Okay. Staying hydrated, drinking a lot of water, adding an electrolyte of some kind or something that makes Mm. it more appealing to you can be really helpful. Again, it's a little bit based on individual taste and desire. Things to avoid in lactation moments are peppermint and sage. Those two herbs can actually dry up reserves. (laughs) Um, and make lactation harder, which how would you know that? I didn't know that until I started diving into this. Right. So those are some of those things. Gosh, you know, mother's milk tea has thistle and some other things like that's a really good one to have. And I think one of the common misconceptions is that all of those things may increase your production or not. Mm -hmm. Like if you're looking for more milk, that's where it gets a little tricky because it might not be about what you're putting into your body. There might be something else going on. So just knowing your resources and knowing where to go to start asking those questions to dive a little deeper is really critical. And then also having the support in place so that you can go seek those resources and not feel like you don't have the option to. So just like balanced diet. I know that like we hear that all the time, but it is it's really important. Protein, fat, fiber. We love, right? Okay. Having snacks kind of set around wherever you find yourself nursing or pumping. Literally, I will bring clients like bags and I'm like, I want you to shove this in your couch cushion. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm not. not." Put it exactly where you're going to be so that when you're stuck under a baby or you're boot trapped, right? Like, yeah, you can just have a snack because you're going to be hungry. Right. 
Yeah. So yeah, there are some of those supplements and things that exist that can be really beneficial for some, but there also might be an underlying issue that you just don't know about. Very rarely is it a supply thing, but sometimes it is. So it it kind of just... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it isn't just because it worked with one child doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same with the second or the third or the fourth, right? Exactly. And just because it worked for your friend doesn't mean that it will necessarily work for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of trial, trial and error. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if you're doing a baby shower for a new expected mom, and if you're hosting or if you're being a part of it, a lot of times you go in on a big gift, like a stroller or something like substantial. But what if you want to go in on a doula or a midwife? Is there something that we could do? Absolutely. There, I think that that is such a great way to show support for that new mom. We get really excited for baby. We want to buy cute little onesies because who doesn't? They're adorable. But, you know, supporting that friend or that family member through offering financial support for a doula or a midwife is amazing. There is a website. It's called Be Her Village. And they basically, folks who are doing their baby showers can set it up to receive funds as their gift that then goes toward that doula or a doula. There's also a variety of other ways that you can do that. But Be Her Village, like if they've already found their doula, they can pay or contribute that way. Or folks can set it up in other ways too. But I think that that's such a great gift and such a great way to show support for that mom in that whole journey because baby is amazing and beautiful and awesome and adorable and snuggly. But my help and support too. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. I just love that. It is mom needs support. And so often we're focused on that little cherub, but let's get mom to a place that she needs to be where she can be taking the very best care of her little cherub and that's getting herself right. Mm-hmm. And shameless plug for moms, if you're building that baby shower registry, add nursing tanks, add pump parts, oh. add breast pads, a milk pad, because you're going to go through them faster than you think. It's okay yes. to pins for yourself on your registry. Yes. It's okay, because as moms, you need to take care of yourself and prioritize yourself the best you can because you're going to continually sacrifice for your kiddo. And being able to care for yourself is one of the best ways to care for your child. Oh, that's such good advice, Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. I, You made me feel like I want to have a baby again, which isn't great because I'm not going to have another baby. But, <laughs> um, but to support those that and to inspire those that are planning to get pregnant or are pregnant, you just really gave some sound, solid and nurturing advice, which I very much appreciate. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for the chance to share. I mean, clearly, this is my passion. And I just want every person who has a baby to have a doula and to have that support to make that transition to parenthood that much smoother, that much more empowered, because it's a long road. It is a long and sometimes unglamorous road, but it can be a lot of fun and you're not alone. You're not alone. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I love your Instagram page and is at Avocado Doula. Follow you. And um, you have a newsletter or anything that you'd like people to sign up for? Right now, the best thing to do is just to head up, check out that Instagram page. My website is also probably the best thing to 
to visit, yes. especially if you want to chat more or want more information. There's a little thing you can sign up for a consult and I'll get back to you as soon as I can to chat and set up a time to meet. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Amanda. And you just keep taking care of all of those wonderful women that are doing what they can to bring new life into this world. I'm going to do my very best, Patty. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Checkable Health Podcast. If you want more information, head over to checkablehealth.com for show notes, links, and resources mentioned in today's podcast. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the Checkable Health at-home healthcare details as soon as they're released. Find us on every social channel at Checkable Health. Cheers to living your healthiest and happiest life.